Warning, this podcast will challenge your thinking. Welcome to Business Problems Solved. In this podcast, we help you solve your business problems by providing real examples and practical approaches to make today better than yesterday. Introducing your host, the multi-sector, self-professed, most improved improvement person and qualified business problem solver, Lee Horton. Hey, it's Lee. Welcome to Business Problem Solved. Today, I have a great pleasure. There will be a, a guest forthcoming. Um, but first, I just want to say thank you so much for the uh, for the feedback and thoughts from the uh, the mini series that uh, that was concluded. Final week, the uh, last week, it was concluded. The three things because um, there's always three things, right? And hopefully that um, that mini-series, there will be some supporting material out in the next uh, few weeks or month um, just to really summarise some of those some of those things and points. Um, and really, because uh, I I think, like I said at the end of last week, is that this podcast is a really reflective space for me and uh, and it allows me to really think more deeply on on uh, on uh, interesting topics or things that I find interesting. Um, so the three things um, that uh, the mini series, so th- my, the three things that I believe the most important about operational excellence, about leadership, about um, all sorts of about forming habits, um, about engagement. Um, that was uh, the last 10, 11 weeks. Um, but like I said, today I have a guest for you and it's a, it's a really, really interesting conversation that I had with uh, with James Edmondson. Um, he has had a. We, we talk about his career, um, and his career has been very water based, uh, and I don't mean that in terms of his uh, his his love of painting. Um, I mean in terms of his career path from the navy um, through to working in the water sector. Um, and what I find really interesting is just how he has um, joined the dots between um, and what he's learned through his career to get allow him to get to the place that he is in today. Um, so yeah, so I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. And uh, without further ado, here is a conversation with Mr. James Edmondson. Welcome to Business Problem Solved, Mr. James Edmondson. How the devil are you, sir? I am very well, Lee, and loving loving the invite. Thank you so much for having me on today. I, I'm just grateful to be here. Really good of you to invite me on. Yeah, no, I'm really, really excited, um, and and really, I'm really intrigued as to where this conversation may take us. So, recently met you, um, but you have a fascinating story. But I guess for those people who don't know who Mr. James Edmondson is. Who is it and how has he got to sit in that seat today? Okay. Um, yeah, great question. Um, so my story begins years ago, um, I guess, um, as a 19-year-old midshipman uh, who joined the Royal Navy in, in the mid-90s. Uh, it was a uh, it was a pursuit of a dream that I had as a, as a youngster, as a teenager growing up in the West Country. And I, I, I don't come from a particularly naval family, although there's a bit of Navy history years years back. Um, but I just had this wanderlust thirst for adventure. Um, I, I did pretty, I did okay at school. I wasn't, I wasn't terrible. But at the same time, I, I wasn't desperate to go to university where all my friends were going at the time, you know. And uh, so I just thought, I want to get out 
a test the world and uh, and the navy really cool to me and so I, I i finished my a levels um had a place at university but i decided not to, not to go on in that direction and I, I went off to dartmouth which is the officer training college in devon um in january of 1997 and um had an amazing two decades basically as a naval officer uh for, for those of you who don't know what that is i mean the navy's a big old organization um you can join you can join as a, a junior rate um and work your way up to sort of chief pay officer and warrant officer or you can join as a, a junior officer which is what i did and um and i wanted to go to sea i wanted to um experience the four corners of the earth i wanted to serve my country uh but most importantly i wanted to be in a team I remember being really, really, uh, I, I played a lot of sport when I was growing up and I loved that ethos of being in a team. And uh, I remember looking into the Navy when I was a teenager and thinking, goodness me, is this like a really good rugby team or a really good football team or a really good cricket team? Everyone's like playing together and they've got focus on this outcome and it just felt amazing. So I wanted more of that. Um, so off I went, joined the Navy, went through my basic training um, and and progressed up through through the navy the navy ranks basically and i i, I came out of the navy in 2017 um by which time i'd actually moved to australia and joined the australian navy so i've got two navies under my belt uh but the australian navy and the royal navy really closely linked in terms of culture and history and it's quite a well-trodden path for people to move out to australia so my wife and i decided we wanted to live in australia and uh and so we moved out in 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 2011 um my um my navy career saw me go all around the world it saw me on lots of different types of ships so mine hunters patrol boats frigates and destroyers and uh, i was always involved with teams and uh, leading teams and being part of the high performing teams and uh, and it ticked all the boxes and my last sort of seagoing job was a, a captain of a ship i was a captain of the warship a, a an offshore patrol boat in australia and uh, an independent command and based out of Queensland and Cairns, uh, Cairns in Queensland, and spent a lot of time going around the top end of Australia and doing um, some pretty unpleasant roles, actually. Um, we're seeing a lot of this in the news right now with the channel and immigrants trying to get across into England, just desperately seeking a, a, a new life. And um, and that, that's happened in Australia and has done for years. And so the Australian government, like our own government, trying to restrict this illegal um, influx because it's so dangerous. You know, they want people to go through the sort of the normal routes, which I know is incredibly tough for people. But but anyway, we spent our time off the Northern Territory, off Christmas Island, and uh, our role was to sort of turn back these boats, which was which was not why I joined the Navy. And I found it really, really challenging, but equally had a job to do. Um, but having command, commanded the patrol boat at sea with a bunch of Australian, young Australian sailors as this British guy was, was a great experience. Uh, learned so much about myself, so much about leadership and uh, was, 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 was basically a phenomenal experience. Um, and I was off, I was off to go and do the next big thing actually, which was uh, in, in the, in the military community, go off and do this year long training course um, called staff college. And I decided I didn't want to do it. And I decided actually I was approaching my 40th birthday and I kind of wanted to see what life was like and in in Civvy Street, as we call it. And so Louise, my wife and I and our kids, we I left the Navy, we packed up our bags and we also moved back to England and uh, all in one go, which I don't recommend. Don't don't give up a 20 year career. Don't change job and move a young family halfway across the world. But I did it. And um, and in the last sort of five or so years, I've been involved in the water sector. So I moved from the Navy into Anglian Water, which is my current my current place of work. And um, I've, I've been involved in change. 
and uh, change management and you know what's a, a guy who used to drive warships around and and fire fire weapon systems what does he do when he leaves the navy it's quite it's quite a difficult transition for for many many veterans and uh, but as you go through the transition process you realize you've got quite a few transferable skills skills and uh and so I, I was lucky enough to find a, a really interesting role within a, a utility in the utility sector and i've been i've been in the water sector for coming up to five years now and um but i suppose why am i sitting here today well um covid19 weirdly lee that that's that that's a bit of a you know left left the field uh comment there but i am um, through covid19 i was tasked to head up our organization's response to to how we deal with that and and that's a story in itself um and um but through that experience, I reignited this like, oh, my God, it's, it's the team. The team is the unit uh, in an organization which gets stuff done. And um, and and so through, through COVID-19, I, I was sitting there in sort of in February of 2020. And uh, I had a tap on the door of a, of a workshop I was running. And uh, someone said, "Oh, the 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 HRD wants to see you." And I thought, "Oh, that's 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 not great news, is it?" H Human Resources director wants to have a chat. But anyway, off I went, and uh, and the HRD sat me down and said, "Look, we've got COVID nineteen." And I said something like, "Oh, yeah, what zombie apocalypse in 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 China?" She goes, "Yeah, I know. It's, it, yeah, but it's, it could be serious." I said, "No, I'm I'm sorry, I'm not joking." And she goes, "Look, I own the risk for the company, but for mass absenteeism and." Um, we, we as a business had just gone through a bit of a reorg and we'd lost a few people and uh one of them one of the roles was the head of risk and resilience and they were looking at recruiting into into that role but in the meantime the hrd needed someone to sort of just head up what are the immediate responses to to or you know preps for COVID 19. so i was i said well why me and uh and i was told well you used to be in the navy you can deal with sort of crisis situations and i said well yeah i, I suppose so anyway um as we all remember that period, that sort of crazy period where what's going on, what's going to happen next, and and like any organisations, we were going through that that's that sort of soul searching and going, well, what are we going to be doing? What what do we need to do? And what I found myself Lee, was I, I had this a very small group of people, like a working group, and of five initially. And every time we met, we we kind of brainstormed what might happen next, and um, and basically went, oh, well, we need someone else in here, or we need someone else in here. And suddenly that group of five exploded to 10 and then 15. And before we knew it, um, I was sort of in the middle of the spider's web of probably 20, 25 people. And we weren't meeting once a week as we were at the start in early February. We were meeting every day, if not twice a day. And and I felt my own stress levels really rising. And, and I, 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 you know, I know that I'm fairly good at recognizing my flags and understanding what stresses me and what doesn't. And actually, I've got really good coping mechanisms for stress from, from my time in service. So I thought, well, if I'm getting stressed, then probably the organization must be feeling a bit of stress. And is that the best place for us to be in as we stare down this global pandemic? So it was about um, it was about early March of 2020. Um, everyone sort of remembers that half term period and a whole bunch of people had gone off and done skiing holidays in northern Italy. And suddenly um, on that Monday morning, back after half term, COVID was in the UK. And my phone phone was ringing off the hook, and I was sitting there in my in in the open plan office trying to do my day job at the same time. People going, "What about this? What are we going to do about this? What about this, James?" And I went, "I have no idea. I have no idea what we're going to do here." So I went I went back down to the HRD and said, "Look, I don't want to alarm you, but I I really do don't think we're structured sufficiently to deal with this this complexity 
of of an event and and the hrd was actually a little bit alarmed she goes well, well what do you mean you know we've got the working group i said yeah but it, it's so complex and it's it's almost chaotic when, when you know and i'm finding it really difficult to pull it all together and she goes well okay what do you recommend i said i don't actually know uh, but give me give me 12 hours uh, and i'll come back with a, a proposal so i did i went i went home and i sat sat at the kitchen table and um, after the kids had gone to bed, I went, what the heck am I going to do? You know, I've, I've, I've highlighted there's a problem that I think there's an issue we need to deal with. What would I do? And I, and I thought to myself, well, if I was back in the military, um, I would be in an operational headquarters. And in an operational headquarters, you have um, sometimes you have these things called cells. And a cell is a group of people who deal with the one element of, of the business or the organization. So you'd, and they're numbered. And so one means people, two means um, intelligence. And it all goes up to nine, which is finance and legal. And in a joint um, headquarters, those cells are called J or J cells. So J1, J2. And I thought, well, hang on a minute. Anglian Waters a little bit like that. Um, so why don't I resurrect that concept so i looked at this piece of paper i had in front of me a list of names the 25 people i had and thought well hang on a minute that person that person that person they could i could form them into j1 and that's people they could deal with all the issues surrounding people policy leave and the data around that and i thought well those people here they could be intelligence and they could be looking and going all right well what's coming down the horizon who do we need to engage with who do we need to talk to to get more information who's linking in with the government and the news outlets and all that stuff Anyway, long story short, I created a J-Cells team of teams model. And then I started to think, well, how do they talk to each other? And I started drawing lines between the cells. And I, I then thought, well, how often do we need to talk? So I created what we call in the military a battle rhythm, how these, these, this cell structure communicated. And then thought to myself, well, that'll probably do. And I went to bed. And the next morning, got up, went into work. And uh, I caught up the HRD and said, look, I've got a plan. And I showed her this sort of quite scrappy piece of A3. Uh, and said there you go that's what i think we should do we're going to form j cells and and she sort of looked at it and went okay i think i know what you're talking about here but you probably need to take your, the ceo through this so i did and it was friday the 13th of march we were running a mass work from home exercise to test all our systems to make sure that we could work from home if we needed to and uh, i called up with the ceo and uh, i took him I, I transferred this a3 piece of paper onto um, electronic version by this point and i took him through virtually what I, what my thinking was and he simply said i like it he offered me a couple of tweaks about how we might talk with our with our investors and our main board and things like that and he goes let's do it and so over that weekend i spent a lot of time writing up terms of reference and so just putting a bit more detail onto the plan and then monday the 16th of march we set them up and uh, that afternoon, Boris Johnson, former prime minister, stood up and said, right, everyone go home and work. And so we were just in time in terms of setting up that organization. And uh, over the next four, four to six weeks, um, I spent really I was really busy uh, basically running around the cells, coaching the different leaders and trying to demonstrate what we needed to do and how it was going to work. But fundamentally, it worked really, really well. And those that cell structure gave us a really cohesive unit. It's sort of decentralized leadership to a certain extent. You know, we pushed that, we pushed decision making down to the different leads, the people who are experts in the various areas. But the way we connected it all together allowed people to have shared awareness and real clarity on what we're trying to achieve. So, so it worked really well. And I wasn't surprised because it worked really well in the forces. So I was just transposing something that had worked quite nicely back in the military, given it a slight different twist, and then re resurrected it uh, in a civilian organization. And um, but 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 but, but say so what? But the say so what is we we we've done that a few times now. So we've resurrected 
that that cell structure we now have as a standing structure we use it for um for big operational uh, big organizational instance and uh, we stood up a few times in the last three years but we've also iterated off that and we use cell structures in in my current business to to tr tackle really nutty business problems when you want to bring together people but but lee that that for me was a real inflection point in my life and post navy you know up until that point i've been again a really successful naval officer and now I was in this water company and I was doing okay, you know, I was, I was, but I, I didn't really feel, I was like, where, what am I doing? What I'm, I'm all over the shop. I'm, I'm doing this project here, which I'm doing quite well at. I'm having some good buy-in, but I didn't have a sort of sense of what I was about, but actually the, the, the COVID-19 and J-cell combination um, allowed me to go, okay, actually it goes back to the team, right? It's the team or team of teams, which really gets me excited. And so I decided to do a couple of things. One was to really dig deep and understand what makes teams tick. So I decided to embark on a, um, a diploma in team coaching. And I did it through a, a, a really good organization uh, who, who offered team coaching training. And I spent 18 months um, and I funded it myself and I took my own, my own personal leave to do it. And I, I finished that in January, but and came out at the end of that as a, a, a team coach, a certified team coach. And, and through that process, I learned um, so much about what makes people tick when they work together in groups or what makes people not tick, <laughs> more importantly, perhaps. And I was unable to understand how you might support a team and a team leader in pursuit of a goal. And, and I just thought that was so exciting. And uh, it, it kind of cemented the what I intrinsically knew and what I felt, you know, I had it sort of at my fingertips as I, I experienced this in 20 years in the Navy and I sort of fumbled into it with, with the J-cell concept. And now I've suddenly got some science, psychology and some tools and techniques behind it to help me move it forward. Um, and the other, the other track was agile weirdly. And this is, this is really interesting because I, um, after setting up the J-cells, someone within the business came up to me who, who'd been very much involved in early adoption of agile within our business unit within one of our business units and she said you know what you did with those j cells they they were that's quite agile actually and i went oh, okay what do you mean she goes well uh, we, we've set up these scrum teams and uh, actually the j cells aren't dissimilar and so i i started to dig into what agile meant and I, I did a couple of courses, a Scrum Master's course and a Product Owner's course, and I read a few books and I spoke to loads of people. And I went, oh, okay. And so I began to see how the the, sort of the world of team coaching and teams and Agile could come together. And and so I, I've been sort of on this journey, Lee, long answer to your question, really sorry, um, long answer to this question, but but on this sort of journey of like, okay, how do we how do we get the most out of teams? How do we get a team to be high performing? And how do we help an organization deliver value? Because that's fundamentally what it's all about. And uh, so I'm in this really exciting space where I'm sort of playing with, not playing, but I'm, I'm working with team coaching and I'm working with Agile to see how we can bring it together to, to really make a difference fundamentally to organizations and customers. Amazing, amazing. <laughs> uh, firstly, James, thank you for the, I think that was arguably the longest introductory answer to the, to the first question I've asked, but it was a, such a thorough, thorough question. I nearly stopped you about five or six times because there was a question that I wanted to ask you. Yeah. Um, but then, but, and I've got so many questions and so many different ways we can, we can take this, this conversation. And, and I think, firstly, I just want to, I just want to talk about you as a person yeah. because yeah. to, to transition 
from um, onto Civvy Street, to, to, to use your words, but yeah. to go from the um, the Navy to the Australian Navy and then to up um, to bring your family back to, to, yeah. to, to the UK and then to, to then um, start a new career, I think. How, yeah. e- how, how easy was that? How, how easy was that for you? It, it was not easy at all. It was not easy at all. I mean, I started thinking about leaving the Navy probably 18 months before I did. So I had a bit of a, it wasn't like, James, you've got to find a new job tomorrow or next week. Um, so I really started to plan it. My challenge, Lee, and I got it wrong, was understanding what I wanted to do and trying to understand what do I, how do I take this this guy who at 19, all he wanted to be was a naval officer, and now he's 39 and he doesn't want to be a naval officer anymore for the right reasons. How do I how do I find my North Star? And I didn't find it until COVID, and that was four years after I'd moved. And so I, I found it really hard and um, really, you know, support of my of my wife louise and my family was 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 just the most important thing because there were moments where i really questioned what i'd done and there were some really tough times really tough times and a lot i i think you know speaking to friends and and um colleagues who are veterans that they've equally had a tough time some some smash it and just glide straight through but most i i know have had a hard time because you're leaving behind this very ordered structured supportive network um it, it it it's the navy in particular um it's been around for so long it's got some wonderful traditions and culture it can be very frustrating at times you, you're not in control of your life you're always away um, or you're always on the on the cusp of being sent away um but you were trained for it right you were brought up into that culture and so to leave that behind was tough so so was the ident- loss of identity in some ways and you know the whole of my adult life I was a naval officer and I could look in the mirror and or people would look at me and go, okay, by the, the rank slides I've got on my shoulder, that that means that. And and then the people would look at maybe my medal ribbons if I was in that uniform and go, oh, he's done that, he's done that, he's done that. And so you've almost got your CV on your shirt. And when I took that off and put the sort of civilian shirt on, um, I'm suddenly going, well, how do I demonstrate value? How do I represent my experience and my and, and my um, my skill set? And I, I got it wrong. You know, I really got it wrong. And it, it, I, I tried to over over deliver. I tried to be, I don't know, try too hard almost. Um, and it took me a while to ease back and go, just, just be yourself, Lee, which you'll recognize that, you know, just be yourself. And that, I think over the last couple of years with, with finding my North Star around teams and agile, that's allowed me to really calm it down and, and start to get in flow in, in many ways, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, no, I love it, love it. You've used the word teams a lot, and you also use team of teams um, yeah. as well. What is it about teams that that makes you feel the way you do, and what is it that makes a great team? Yeah, okay, good questions. Um, I mentioned team of teams a lot, and I've got to reference one book, which is Stanley McChrystal, General Stanley McChrystal's book, Team of Teams, which I think came out in about 2015 or 2016, which really influenced me, um, and it's about how groups and teams come together to achieve something big and uh, it's well worth reading um, reading for, for the listeners of this podcast um, and actually I think it very much influenced my thinking for the J cells um, under real quite time pressure so I didn't have a chance to go back to the book I just went right I think there's something in my in my mind teams yeah I, I mean for me it's um it's what is how things get done I I I, I I don't. I think the, the the notion of a heroic leader or a, a superman or superwoman just getting stuff done on their own is nonsense. Maybe maybe it was true once upon a time. Every now and again, you get a bit of a superhero leader, but fundamentally, they're not doing it on their own. So it's it's 
it's bringing together a group of individuals and the, the, they're greater than the sum of the parts. It's it's an entity in itself and you've got to treat it as an entity. You're not treating it as a group of individuals who come together. And I think a lot of people get this wrong, actually. They, For example, an NSL, senior leadership team, they go, oh, we're a senior leadership team. No, you're not. You're, what you are is a group of heads of or functional reporting people who, who report into a, a, a director. It's a spoken hub model. You're not working together interdependently to deliver an outcome. That's what a team does. It works together. And if I think back to my earliest days in the Navy, how a ship is a team of teams. You know, you've got different departments, you've got different groups, teams forming together to land a helicopter safely on the flight deck or launch a seaboat in the water or control a gunnery system to shoot shoot a target. You know, that that takes teamwork. And this what excites me about that is when it works well, for me, there's nothing better in the world of work knowing that there's a group of people around you all committed towards the same goal and and it it, it it can get better and better and better, which is why I like Agile, this continuous improvement. How did we do in that last thing? How could we improve? Because we want to do it better next time. That That's yeah. cool. And that, that translates to the world of sport, the world of business, military, et cetera. Yeah, so I just want to pick up on something you just said there, actually. So senior leadership groups or teams, are that, should there be a team? Or should there just be individuals who lead teams? So I think that that's the question for an SLT to answer, and that should be one of the first questions they they, they pose themselves. Um, my view is it can be both, but let's be clear when when and why. So sometimes the, the, the leader just needs to know what's going on and update. So, okay, you know, head of function, give me an update. What do you need from me? And so... That's clarity. Okay. All I want to do is let's share the information or at least let me be informed so then I can upload to my next level. But every now and again, I think you want to tap into the collective intelligence of that group of people. They're all really, you know, if they've got to that senior leadership level, they are valuable individuals. They've got great experience. So then how do you tap into that? How do you bring them together collectively in pursuit of a of a challenge? And I think that's the role of the leader to say, Okay, well, I want to just switch. I want to switch gear here. Let's let's now work together. Um, and maybe it's a case of subdividing. You know, it, sometimes you have big SLTs, fifteen people, which you know, that's not a great number for a team. If you think about Dunbar's number, and and if you think about agile teams between five and nine, and there's a reason for those numbers. So let's maybe hive in half or split into groups of three uh, into three groups. But then the team leader gives that and those those teams right get together and how do we solve? this problem, this problem we've got as a business, how do you do it? So I think that gives them a real, real clarity around what they're trying to achieve, but not how they achieve it. And that, that's 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 important as well. Yeah, so you just used leader a few times then as well in your answer, what makes a great leader? What makes a great leader? Um, there's so much to go into here, but straight away it's humility and trust. So for me, um, and there's a concept in the, the military, which is servant leadership, which is we we serve to lead. Um, and, and that means, putting the team first putting the individuals first so making sure that you as a leader can support those people to be their best selves or their or the best team that that makes a good leader and to be that leader you've got to show humility you can't know all the answers and you've got to get out of their way um and so it's, it's, it's get get rid of the ego be humble ask questions and know that you don't know all the answers love it love it so somewhere in and and is that prevalent in a lot of um, leaders in the in the navy? Is that how they are? The uh, the navy is a large organisation. Um, I've seen both styles, and 
stars in between. So it's 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 a not a binary answer. Um, I've seen some exceptional leadership um, in the Navy. I've also seen some exceptional leadership outside the Navy. I've seen some terrible leadership both in and out as well. Um, and I think there's a lot of work to be done everywhere, actually, to make good leaders, frankly. Yeah, I, I yeah, fundamentally agree. Fundamentally agree. And I think um, and when you speak about it, taking something that worked so well in the Navy, the J-cells um, concept. When you first said J-cells, I thought you'd name them the James cells. Yeah, um, I, I did get that. And I was like, no, 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 that's definitely not. That's not my style. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and when you took that concept that worked so well in the Navy and then you introduced it into your the, the organisation that you couldn't find yourself in, how did they just instantly go when the CEO said, Yeah, go and then roll it out? Was it was just instantly accepted or did you come up against any challenges? Oh, oh, not 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 accepted at all. No, no. But but remember it was it was a time of chaos. You know, people were people needed something. This is my this is my thesis. We need something to structure and put some 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 scaffolding around. Um and it's almost not quite enough time for people to go, what, why are we doing this? They, they kind of just needed it. Um, and uh, that's a really quite an overarching comment there, which should probably be challenged by a few people. After a couple of weeks, I was getting a little bit of, what, what is this J-cell nonsense? You know, this doesn't make sense. Why don't we just use our normal incident management structure? And so I did have to do quite a lot of work um, to sort of help people understand my thinking and explain to them that it wasn't perfect. But this was my my way of trying to provide that structure, that scaffolding to help us move from this period of real chaos and trying to get us back towards something which we could we could just get arms around. Um, I, I think if I tried to introduce that concept for whatever reason the year before would have never landed. You know, even if I'd had a, a program manager and a change manager and a comms plan and an engagement, plan, just people would have gone, no, I don't see the need. So I um, mean, the it's brilliant. The 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 Chinese symbol for crisis um, is made up of two two symbols. One for one represents danger, and one represents opportunity. So within that crisis, there is always an, there is an opportunity. And I, you know, not, I didn't seek it, but it it just landed on my lap, and I went, well, you know, I'm going to go for it because what else am I going to do, basically? Yeah, without without the crisis, yeah. So without a pandemic being yeah. here um or be, at, that, at that point in time how do you get across the benefits or the value of, of people taking the steps to create the jsl concept yeah. how, how, how would you gain that that buy into it so yeah that's a really good question because we don't we shouldn't wait for a crisis necessarily um although sometimes the best things happen in crisis so how do you represent that um i, I like to talk about complexity a lot um and there's a uh, there's a fantastic framework created by a, a gentleman called dave snowden and it's called the Kenevan framework and there's effectively um five domains but four one four that i'll talk about you've got chaos complexity complicated and simple domains um in in the in the chaos is where j cells was born but we managed to move through the destruction of scaffolding i think we got ourselves into complexity in complexity that's i mean that's where a lot of agile stuff lives you know we don't quite know what the cause and effect relationship is we therefore we want to we want to we want to run little experiments test and learn test and learn iterate and inspect and adapt our, what our work um i think many many organizations face this vuca world volatile uncertain complex and ambiguous right so so i would say that you don't need a crisis but my goodness me look at look at look at what's happened since covid19 with the war in ukraine with the 
you know, the, the fallout of the pandemic, inflation, et cetera, et cetera. Nothing certain. So what what sales does for me um, is, or, or, or a way of operating like that is form with a loose and a light framework, a structure that allows people to come together quite regularly, check in, understand what the objectives are, what the outcomes you're trying to achieve. And then it, it allows people to get on with stuff. So it allows people to, you know, be 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 their experts, um, come up with novel and interesting and creative ways of getting to where we need to get to without the sort of the the heavy architecture of maybe a sort of a classic project or a program board where you're sort of following a Gantt chart and you're thinking you know exactly when you're going to hit each milestone which I you know, think is just not possible so so for me it's that it's that zone of complexity it that it, it's it's a light work you know J sells for me it works well because it it brings together the right people it provides guardrails it provides a little bit of support but then it lets people go off and use their brains and work together as teams to deliver great stuff so that that's that, that you don't need a crisis no love it love it and and how many cells do you need you mentioned nine before so how many how many cells would you recommend it depends on the situation so the nine was very much an, an organizational level and it worked quite well for the situation we were in um we've set up cells in my current organization to tackle different things and each time it's slightly different and so i think it's working with with whoever needs them to say okay um, what is what's the outcome? What's the objective you're trying to get to? Is it is it reduction of um, you know one we did in, in in current work is reduction of our leakage target? We want to be more effective in our in how we deal with leaks of, of our treated water. So, you know, and you, it's a, the cell structure for that particular uh, challenge looked completely different to the uh, the cells we set up for for COVID nineteen. So it's quite adaptable. Um, but you need to understand. You know, my first question is always what what are we trying to achieve here? What's the problem? And then you say, well, what what people do you need or what structures or what enabling support do you need? And that starts answering those questions. Then you go, okay, well, if, if your main effort is this is this work stream or this part of business as usual, then how do we enable that to be the best? And so you create these enabling cells, such as you know, people or intelligence or data, and then you start to bring them those people together. Uh, and that's and that's that's where I think the magic really happens, actually. Yeah, love it. And and how do you so because if people have a day job and they've got the, the self activity and role, is that clear differentiation? Yeah, well that that's a really good question. And um we're we're struggling with that a little bit, Lee, to be honest, where I'm working. Um sales have got a really good um a bit of a good brand actually, and people go, Oh, we can need some sales here. But I'm always quite cautious and saying, is it really what you need, or is it just are you enhancing be your business as usual? So sales is an overhead and it, it will involve pulling people from different places. Um, I mean, there are organizations and I'm not an expert, by the way, at all in OD and all the rest of it. But, you know, some, some organizations adopt like holacracy and things like that, where you just form lots of lots of teams and they interact. Many organizations don't. So so at the moment it is it's, it's a bit of a watch out. You know, don't send them up willy nilly. It, 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 there's an overhead. There's people who need to commit to them. But when you get that commitment and that buy in and the senior sponsorship, that's when it. That's when it works. But yeah, you're right. People do have day jobs and you've got to be really, really careful. Yeah, got you. Got you. I'm just conscious, conscious of the time. I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation today, Mr. Edmondson. And I would absolutely love the opportunity to uh, to chat with you again and maybe um, uh, dig into more of the concept of teams and leadership and making this real. Um, for love people to do that. Yeah. Open for that. Um, but if people wanted to know more about you, where would they go? What would they do? What would they find? 
It's probably the simplest thing is um, LinkedIn, actually. And uh, I, 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 I use LinkedIn a lot. Um, I don't put many posts out, but every now and then I do. But love love to engage with people on LinkedIn. I get a lot of um, great feed. I read a lot of good stuff on LinkedIn and follow some interesting people. So, yeah, my LinkedIn page is probably the best place to reach me. Perfect. Perfect. I just want to say thank you so much again, Mr. Edmondson. Um, have a lovely rest of your day. And I look forward to chatting again very soon. Thanks, Lee. And thanks so much again for having me on. I've really enjoyed it. And, uh, yeah, cheers. Thanks for listening to Business Problems Solved. You can contact Lee on LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter by searching for Lee Horton, the business problem solver, or via visiting www.leehorton.com for more content and to solve your business problems. And remember, saying you know how to do it is not doing it.